This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mitch Russo, and he is the founder of a company called Time Slips, which he grew to 10 million and sold for eight figures. He was also CEO of Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes Business Breakthroughs International, uh, then wrote his book, The Invisible Organization and How I Build Certification Programs. We're going to have a lot of fun. Mitch, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's go, baby. Okay, so what came first, Tony Robbins, Chet Holmes, or Time Slips? Time Slips came first. Okay, what year? 1985. That was launch or when you sold? No, 1985 is when we uh, incorporated the organization as a company. And what did it do? Time Slips was originally founded to create time tracking records for your personal computers so you could deduct them from your taxes. But that whole program fell apart after it was done because the IRS relaxed their rulings on contemporaneous record keeping leaving us in a place where we had no, we had a brand new product. We'd both quit our jobs, but we had no one to sell it to. How old were you at that point? Oh, I was probably in my mid twenties, late twenties at that point. Okay. So were you broke? Was everything riding on this company? Everything was riding on this company. I was not broke. I had made a decent amount of money previous to that in real estate and as a sales executive, but I had quit my job and my partner had basically shut down his other businesses just to focus on this. So, so it so was, what happened? well, we pivoted, I guess that's the word we'd use in these days. Um, we, we scrambled, uh, to figure out what to do. And then we realized that, you know, lawyers and accountants need to keep track of their time. In fact, everybody in business does. So we decided to take time slips and transform it into time tracking and billing. That took three months and it became ready. The day before I left to go to Comdex and walk the floors and hand out that program to as many people as I could. All right. What'd you grow it to in terms of revenue? <clears throat> revenue. We grew that uh, company up to about 10.5 million in revenue. And what year was that when you did 10.5 million? Uh, let's see. That would be 1998. 1998. Okay. And then what happened that year? Did you sell or what? Well, we sold in 19, we basically sold in 1994 and we, I then moved to Texas and ran my division, actually my two divisions along with three others until my earnout was over. And then at that point I took over as chief operating officer of Sage US. And that's when in 1998, that was the final year of my transition and I decided that Sage wasn't a fit for me and it was time to go. So I moved back to Massachusetts. In 1994, when you sold to Sage, what was revenue? Revenue was about 5.6 million. Okay. And back then, what kind of multiples were you getting? What did Sage pay for the business? Well, I mean, they were paying 18, 15 to 18 times uh, profits at the time. 
Um, so we were, you know, we were looking for, uh, probably two times sales, which was unusual. Only crazy companies got two times sales. So we were pretty happy. We got one X, our, our top line number. And so you, sold out, for, you sold for about 5.6 million. No, we sold for 10 and a half million. Well, we oh, you got two X, you got two X top line. Yes. But let me tell you the interesting way this worked out because we had basically brought two buyers to the table simultaneously. Uh, and one buyer offered full price. We were asking for 9 million bucks. Um, so one buyer came to the table with, with a checkbook and said, we'll take the company. We'll leave you exactly where you are. We, we won't touch a single person. You're free to run it any way you want. The other guy came in and said, we'll offer you about half of what you're asking, but we'll give you almost double the upside, but you got to move your team to Dallas, Texas. And I thought about it and said, you know what? I love the opportunity. So no, in, no in. income tax. That's right. That's no, but I did actually that the, uh, Massachusetts, um, taxing authorities considered it a, a, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, an installment sale. So I actually ended up paying taxes Brutal. in Massachusetts. I know it was like a half a million bucks while I was still living in Texas on your earn out and everything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So it's fair to say you make a couple million, obviously doing that 1998, yeah. you leave now what? Okay. So <clears throat> now here's the cool part. Uh, cause I want this to, I think the people who listen to your show will understand this. So I came home thinking I'm a superstar, right? I just sold my company. I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a millionaire, blah, blah, blah. I have operational experience. I just took Sage, $100 million division. So I figured I'd go and start looking for positions to help other VC firms and run some of their companies. Nobody would hire me. I didn't even get a single response to any request for an interview. So I said, screw it. I'm starting my own venture company. And I did. And I started a small. Why did nobody called- respond, do you think? Oh, I found out why. I was too old. I was 44 years old. They were looking for 20 something guys to run their companies. Oh, got it. You were pitching VCs on joining one of their portfolio companies as a CEO. Exactly. I see. And I was, I basically was too old. And I was told that. Uh, on several occasions, privately, you know, once after the formal process was over, they said, "Oh, yeah, yeah, you, we we just don't bring people in at that age." Interesting. Which I thought I thought that was amazing. So, uh, in this little company I started, I went around and I was making venture investments on my own. So I invested in in about nineteen different startups, all in the twenty five to fifty k range. I had set aside a half a million dollars of my own money just to invest in startups. But then other people joined me, and then we started using our pool of money to, to invest in other companies. But the key of the company was assist ventures. So when we came in, we didn't just come in with money. We came in with a team. So I had my CFO with me. I, I myself, I'm a great strategist and help companies reorganize their business and create new business models. And I had a sales guy who was a super team builder and things like that. So when we came in, we did everything, everything we could to help the entrepreneurs. 
Many of you know I am buying companies that I really, really like, and there's no quicker way for me to get to the bottom of what is happening on that website than using this tool called NathanLaka.com forward slash hot jar, H-O-T-J-A-R. It basically will give me a recording, okay? When anybody lands on the website, it'll give me a recording of where the viewer is scrolling and obviously does the basic stuff like heat maps too, but I learn so much about where the users are scrolling and clicking on my site using that tool. It helps me increase conversion rates, make more money and grow those businesses faster. And we'll have to see what happens with those businesses, but I'm buying them. I'm buying them very quick and I'm using nathanlaka.com forward slash hot jar for all of my website analytics. You can too. I work with them. It's totally free. You can go to nathanlatka.com forward slash hot jar. No credit card required. Again, use it as much as you want. nathanlatka.com forward slash hot jar. I'll see you there. Did you make money doing angel investing? No. And the reason we didn't is because it was 1999, 1998, 99 when I got back here. And that's when I started investing. And it was shortly thereafter that the dot-com bust hit. You invested when valuations were way overpriced and then you got washed out when it hit. Exactly. Okay. It's 2000. What are you doing now? So I actually jumped on board with a a client. So a client turned out to be... uh, Zero Stage Capital in Cambridge, Massachusetts, asked, hired me for a consulting assignment, figure out a new business model for one of their portfolio companies. I said, great. I came back and said, look, this isn't going to work the way you want it to work. This has got to be the way we do it. And I, or, and I basically said, we're going to build a marketing company instead of a selling company. They wanted to create a warehouse and pile furniture in it and sell it on the internet. I knew that wouldn't work in 1999, and I told them so. So we basically uh, created a marketing company based on creating custom websites for furniture stores and for manufacturers, and then selling a website subscription to a furniture store. Using the technology we had developed, it was one click to create a website for any furniture store plus their branding. So they came back and said, not only do we love that idea, we want you to be the CEO. Now, I had already been working with Assist Ventures, so I said, um, look, it would take crazy money to get me out of this position. I'm already working with all these other great people. And they said, well, what does crazy money mean? And I said, well, it would take at least a half a million bucks. And Salary. they said, well, okay. yeah. And they said, okay, we'll do it. And so for the most part, that's what I got. And I still ran Assist Ventures, but I saw the writing on the wall <clears throat> and I started to wind that down. I saw that a lot of my investments were just not going to make it, unfortunately. But I went forward with furniturefan.com and we started building that and then it was growing very rapidly when the dot-com bust hit. Now, remember this phone call. You'll appreciate this. So I called my managing partner at Zero Stage Capital, fantastic guy, and I said to him, look, um, things don't look good right now. I still have about two and a half million of cash in the bank. You of how much that you raised? Back. Four million. I said, you should take it back. I mean, honestly, it's, and then he said, no, 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 no. You're, you're an incredible entrepreneur. You just go forward and you make this happen. I said, okay. Uh, but if the market's not going to support it, uh, it's just not going to make sense. But he said, just do it. So we did it. And unfortunately I was right. And the market did not hold up. Uh, the furniture industry began to crumble at that point. We lost stores, we lost manufacturers when the dust settled 18 months later, 30% of the industry had shut down. Okay, so what year did you, lo- you shut that business down? 
We shut it down in 2002. Okay, then what? Uh, then I get interested in investing in stocks and options. So I went back to school to, to learn how to become an options investor. So I became a professional options trader with a mentor on the Chicago Board of Trade for two years. Okay. And then we have six years to cover in two minutes. Fast forward to Tony Robbins. Sure. So at that point, Chet and I had been friends for years. Chet asks for some help. I bring, Chet brings me into the company and I do my thing. We're growing like crazy now. And Wait, Chet bring, Holmes is what, what is, how's Chet working with Tony? Chet is not working with Tony. Chet is just Chet, but he brings me in and we're growing his little company. And then he and Tony Robbins start a conversation. We bring Tony into the picture. We negotiate for months. We come up with the Ultimate Business Mastery Summit, which is where we launched the, uh, the uh, Business Breakthroughs International. Together, Chet, myself, uh, and Tony were partners in that company. We grew it for almost five years, 25 million in sales, and that's when Chet died. Yep, yep, got it. So, so what, what happened to that now? Uh, well, at, at the point where Chet had passed away, we had a succession plan in place. Uh, Tony and I had met several times about, about how to take the company forward. We had a great plan. We shot a video to get everybody pumped up, but at the end of the day, it didn't work out. The family had other intentions. And so I felt like I was not going to be synergistic with the family's intentions. So I resigned in 2012. So what are you doing now? I'm starting another software company, of course. I mean, come on. You wrote so, a book in between, right? I, I did. I wrote The Invisible Organization, which is a book about how companies go virtual. How many and, sales? Uh, we sold about 5,000 copies, which for a business book isn't too bad. Self-published or? Self-published on Amazon. Yep. It, it became, well, you know, an Amazon number one bestseller, which is not a big deal. But anyway, uh, so so a year ago I had this idea. I said, you know what? Everybody who's ever bought a training program in the universe, 92% of those people have never finished that training program or never got the benefit. How do we fix that? Because it's a big market. And I said, the only way to fix it is to match people up and make sure that they stay accountable to each other. So I am building a scalable SaaS-based accountability platform, which, by the way, is about to go into beta. So anybody hearing this would love to get a, What's a it beta called? log. Yeah. Let me know. And it's going to help thousands, maybe hopefully tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people stay accountable by matching them up with somebody else who has the same passion as they do. Yeah. See, my, my whole thesis on that, I'm a little like bearish on it because I just think people that can't hold themselves accountable, they're never going to be big and successful anyway because there's other issues there. I mean, you never hear about a billionaire struggling to get through their info product course they bought last night, right? For like 600 bucks, right? This is, they do the opposite. They go find documentaries and dig up stuff from decades ago and they're self-driven learners. So like, how do you feel selling to people that are not motivated themselves? Well, we'll find out. See, I actually had an accountability partner uh, for many parts of my business career. And I love the experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a, a person I work with now who's my accountability partner, and she's amazing. And we keep each other accountable. I'm a big believer. I'm not a billionaire. Maybe that's why uh, I'm not a billionaire, but I'm not a billionaire. But I believe that there are a lot of good people out there who are struggling to get to the, the end result, to get to the benefits and the transformation that they purchased when they bought these programs. So for a very low amount of money, less than less than $100 a month, and in the launch, it will even be about half of that, 
people will be able to go into my community and not only just find accountability partners of which we have a algorithm that will match them perfectly. How much have you put but, into the company so far? You have your own money. Oh, uh, about, about six figures. Okay. Got it. About, about a hundred grand. All right, yeah. guys, check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. Mitch, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? My favorite business book, believe it or not, is The Alchemist. That's a good one. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Well, you know, there are several. Um, I, I would say the the CEO that I love to follow is my my friend, Tony Robbins. He's brilliant in everything he does. What's his big, uh, share something about him up close and personal because you're so close to him. That really is what makes him so successful that he wouldn't ever teach in a book or put out there publicly. Yeah, that's a great question, Nathan. I, I think what Tony does is he has the ability to see through all of the bullshit and look directly at the founder's purpose and mission and know whether they're going to accomplish what they say they will. And I've never seen anyone else do it like Tony. All right. Number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool? Ah, I mean, it, it's got to be uh, Slack. I, I know everybody says Slack, but it's we love Slack. We love Trello. I mean, these are great tools we use to build our business. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh, uh, here you got me. I'm I'm a sleeper, man. I got to get my seven and a half to eight hours. There's nothing wrong with that. I didn't get you, man. I sleep nine, 10 hours. L- yeah. So successful people sleep. All right. And what's your situation, Mitch? Married, single, you have kids? I am married. I have a grown daughter, just graduated Leslie University and just got her first professional job. Very cool. Very (laughs) cool. All right. And how old are you, Mitch? I'm 63. 63. Last question. Take us back 43 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, yes. Good. I wish my 20-year-old self knew about long-term investing. That's what I did not do in my 20s. If If I know now what I knew then, First thing I would have done is I would have poured as much money as I could have into these life insurance policies called income for life, just a little bit at a time. And by now I would have had four or 5 million sitting around waiting for me to use any way I want. There you guys have it from Mitch, long-term investing critical to, uh, he wishes he knew that back when he was 20, he founded his company time slips back in 1985, sold it in 1994 when they did 5.6 million in revenue, got two times top line. So sold it for about 10 million bucks, moved to Dallas, uh, to get his earn out and built that part of the company up to 10.5 million in revenue under Sage in 1998 in a $100 million division. After that went on to do many, many things, some VC related stuff, uh, got exposure to the furniture industry that crashed and burned, moved on to do a book, got involved with Tony Robbins and Chet and many other very smart people, now launching his own software to help people stay more accountable. Mitch, thank you for taking us to the top. My pleasure, Nathan.